Hello listeners, and welcome to the Detail's new podcast called Michael Jackson Unspun. Jackson was admitted the biggest selling album of all time. Michael Jackson has become the first artist in the history of music to generate six number one singles off one album. Michael Jackson! Michael Jackson! But I must confess it feels good to be thought of as a person, not as a personality. Um, so welcome to this episode of the Details Podcast, Michael Jackson Unspun. I'm Matt, the video creator behind YouTube's The Detail, and I'm again your host for this series. Uh, but I'm also here with another Michael Jackson YouTuber, MJ Fangirl. Hi, Hi Matt, how's it going today? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. And also we've got another special guest, uh, Shane McCusker. Um, who is here to discuss his? I mean, what would you say your title was? We've just gone through this, but I've actually yeah, um, yeah. It, 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 everything I did was kind of an accident, so I would kind of the best way to describe what I did in a nutshell, I would say I was kind of um, assistant curator on the uh, the costume tour that um, Michael Bush did with Julian's Auctions back in 2012. And and this was a tour before the items were sold. Yeah. So the tour, um, I. Th- believe it began in Chile. Um, so, I mean, so how, how did you get involved in this? So you're saying you were very young at the time, you said you were 17, like how, yeah. how did you, how did you, so yeah. So the whole, th- the whole thing was that I do this 20 minute interview with Bush, I could use it for my college project, but the deal was that I would also give that material to Julian's auctions to use at their disposal for, for marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, during the interview, which um, I've actually, I should send it to you actually, um, I've still got the footage. Um, Bush is, is going through, I think he worked with MJ for like 22, sorry, 32 years. Oh, wow. Um, and um, started out on, on Captain EO, where he, he um, was kind of just fixing the costume. And then it progressed um, by the second leg of the bad tour. Um, Dennis Tompkins and, and Michael Bush were like lead costume designers, they'd taken over from Bill Whitten, who did um, MJ's stuff from like, he did a lot of stuff for the Jacksons as well. I'm not sure when when Bill Whitten started out, Mm. but um, from 88, it was like his entire stage wardrobe was Tompkins and Bush. Um, And so Bush had all, they'd created thousands of pieces and he'd, he'd make kind of, I don't want little mistakes. I guess is the the best way to put it. He'd say, "Oh, we made this jacket for the history tour," and seventeen year old me's like, "Oh no, that that was actually the the dangerous tour," oh, and it really? happened a few times. And uh, he went. I remember after the the interview, he said, "Oh, yeah, you, you know the costume is better than I do, so uh, you should you should stay with us." Yeah. And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> like you don't need to ask me oh. twice. <laughs> and um, so that that evening, I flew back to London and didn't really think much of it. I thought it was just a polite thing. It did, there was no guarantee or promise of anything. And um, just we kept in touch um, through Darren Julian from Julian's Auctions. And uh, yeah, when, when it came around to London, they said, you know, you live locally, help us out. And so I did, um, ended up packing all the stuff for, I ended up curating with Bush the, the London exhibition. So he would say how to display things. I would be responsible for cleaning things down and kissing them on the mannequins and spotting any damage. And uh, then packed everything for Tokyo. Then they invited me and my friend who'd been helping me out um, to Los Angeles. So we also went there and got to go to the auction. 
Wow, what, in Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, so we spent, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was a week or two weeks out in Los Angeles, and um, like Julian's took like amazing care of us, so like 18 year old <laughs> us was like, we've made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aw. Is, is that the one where they sold the iconic thriller jacket? It wasn't, but um, uh, they, I think that was about a year or two before. But, okay. Um, yeah, exactly the same company though. Okay. So, That's awesome. so, so whose collection was this? Was this Michael Bush's collection? It was Michael Bush, yeah. Um, uh, he'd acquired um, a huge number of pieces. Um, there were literally hundreds, and, and I know that he still has stuff and occasionally puts stuff into auction as well. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, he uh, he and and of course, with most of the costumes, they were worn for two to three years on tour. So there are multiples. It's not a secret that these aren't one-off pieces. Mm. So what he had, he sold. Um, I don't know what his current collection looks like, but he did very well that day. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I attended one of the Julian's auctions here in New York City a few years back and before I used to think like oh it's just random people like buying Michael Jackson stuff and putting it in the closet but I was surprised because I saw like Hard Rock Cafe and different museums and um, organizations were bidding for the the jackets so hopefully some of those are around the world where we could see them. The the majority of the stuff that we sold, and I'm allowed to say this now because she p- put it on Twitter, but most of the stuff went to Lady Gaga. Mm. Yeah, um, didn't, didn't she buy like 55 pieces or something? There, were 50, I, I think it was 55 pieces. Um, I'm not allowed to say how much she spent, but yeah. more, more than most of us will ever see, she spent in a day. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. I wonder what her plan for it is or why. I, I, I'm aware that... I think I'm allowed to say this. I'm aware that it's in a, uh, a temperature-controlled room in her apartment somewhere. <laughs> what, in New York? I... Uh, yes, yeah, it's in New York. Oh. Oh, a light bulb just went off in my head. <laughs> I think I have a... You'll be there like <laughs> Mission Impossible. Like to... Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, um, uh, I, I actually did have a, a few discussions with Bush as to, you know, why, why didn't you sell this stuff to, to museums? And, and he said he approached... Um, approached multiple um, kind of galleries and museums and, and they actually declined to have the stuff um, mainly for fear of it being damaged or stolen um, oh I could totally see that um, because um, I I don't want to name the company only because I don't want to make any mistakes but there was a, a wax museum I don't know if it was in New York I want to say it was in New York that had a, a mannequin a waxwork of MJ that they made um, sometime in the early 2000s, I think, and they asked MJ or Bush if they could have a costume made for it. And MJ said, give them the Madison Square Garden white outfit with the the kind of, the one that he came on stage with, with his brothers, the kind of white and gold uniform. Yes, yes. And uh, so they actually put the manic, they actually put the waxwork in the original costume and people didn't realize that it wasn't a replica. Mm. And um, it, went missing and never came back oh god so i guess i guess if you're gonna have costumes which are worth so much money it's almost like a liability risk like you need to be insured loads of money you have to have round the clock security or it's just a huge responsibility 
Yeah, and and unfortunately as well, there's also I think a lot of people have in the back of their minds there's the um, the controversy thing of you know what's going mm. to be the reactions of having a Michael Jackson exhibit here. Mm. Um, wow. And uh, because ultimately it's the same thing with the painting, it only takes one person to put their fist through it, and it's destroyed forever. You know. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. Well, we said like it would be amazing if there was like you know it was almost like a bunker and they had a huge exhibition going through like Michael Jackson's life and all his not just costumes but also like you know things from Neverland and mementos and you know. Yeah. instruments and recording materials or whatever just like all of it in one place like obviously you're not going to get everything but i mean yeah it's so kind of dispersed and when you think about most like you know big cultural icons like that they would they would have a kind of space that is dedicated to them especially one who's like still the biggest selling artist of all time and you know <laughs> makes billions every single year it's kind of like it would make sense just from a commercial point of view if, if it was down to me i mean i, I know that the um for to, to my knowledge the um cirque du soleil show in vegas has done very well they could possibly look to expand that into like some kind of gallery at least to mm. maybe take up some more rooms because i mean the shop looks huge i mean they could dedicate some of that space to displaying stuff and charge entry and i mean it's better than having it sat in boxes rotting yeah. away in in different locations across uh, yeah. california I agree. They should do like a fan convention where we're able to see some of that stuff at least once or twice a year. Have people come just like, you know, a rotating exhibition or whatever. They can put something else there later. But I just feel like it's sad that we don't get to celebrate Michael in that way. We're forced to like, <laughs> you know, just wonder where a lot of the stuff is going. And it's, it's weird because there was a documentary I watched a few years ago. I mean, it was done years and years ago, probably in around 2000, 1999. And it was about the dresses that Princess Diana sold just before she died. I think it was in the mm -hmm. April and she died in August. And what happened to them? And it's really interesting because they kind of get dispersed to all these different locations. And a lot of them were kind of like, older wealthy kind of middle-class american women who um who kind of just built a little shrine around them and had them you know so that their friends at their cocktail party could like you know be in awe of them or the glamour you know it was, it was they're almost the type of women that would have like porcelain dolls and you know <laughs> do crochet and stuff um but there was a couple that were created where the, um, someone would take it as almost like a business so they bought like 10 dresses and then they would take them on tour around like different like shopping centers and shopping malls around America and it'd be like Princess Diana like you know Princess of, of the People uh, dresses you know exhibition here at some some random place so it, it's it's odd where all these kind of items go really yeah, I believe the guy that bought the um, the original thriller um, thriller jacket, um, he said in, a, in, a, in an interview, I, I don't know whether or not this ended up happening, but he said his intention was to kind of tour this jacket around to like children's hospitals and stuff to make some money for, for charities and stuff like that, mm. which is, is as good, a, good an idea as any, I guess, because I mean, when you've just spent $1.8 million on a jacket, you want to show it off, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's something which was really interesting as well with Princess Diana. A lot of it was to do with charity, so they <laughs> it would attract people to like a gala that they were having in their local, I don't know, country club, and then it would be that people would be bidding for it, and well, not bidding for it, but 
I don't know. It would, it would always be related. A, bit, a lot of them, even like five years after, they had sold or given it away to a charity or hospital. Yeah, I mean, people people would sort of say, you know, like, oh, did you did you pack this stuff in uh, like big wooden crates with like tissue paper and stuff? And I, and I, I would say to people, like, he wore this stuff every night on tour for two to three years. Like, this stuff was designed to be used. You know, these Delicate, aren't... You know, we took good care of the stuff, but at the same time, you know, you don't need to go over the top. At the end of the day, it's it's, it's a jacket. It's going to be okay. Mm. You know, it's not going to disintegrate in in, <laughs> in, in a journey. Well, I've, I've, I've seen interviews with Michael Bush, and they're literally just on a rail, all, like, yeah, stacked, yeah. Behind, you know, like, really quite tightly together. So, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of got that impression as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember um, before we had the stuff come in, to, to change over for the Tokyo exhibition, Bush said to me, um, what's one thing that you would love to, to see that you've never seen? And I said, um, I would love to see the June 23rd outfit from the rehearsal, the lion shirt, the oh. red lion shirt. And uh, I was going through the boxes that he'd sent into us and I opened this box and I just saw this red and I just went, surely not. And I opened up this box. Now, I remember I was on my own, you know, like a far corner of the room and everybody else was in another corner. And I just opened this box up and the shirt was there. And in the back of the collar, it had June 09, MJ. And it still had his makeup on the inside of the collar. And you could still, this is 2012, so only a couple of years later, you could actually still smell the perfume. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. What, what did MJ smell like? <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think you guys were going to ask me this. Yeah, I, it, I, I think it's actually quite well known what his perfume is, but it, it escapes me at this moment. But it's quite—you can find out quite easily from a, a quick Google. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some reason, Tom Ford is coming to mind. Yes, but don't quote me. Tom Ford Black Orchid is what I've heard. Oh, yeah, that, I could that imagine does that. Ring a bell. And uh, I've heard from a few accounts that um, I think it might have been Travis Payne actually said. Um, you knew MJ was coming into the room because you could smell him before you saw him. He would like douse himself oh, wow. in, in stuff. Mm. <laughs> so do you know at all why Michael, because how long did Michael Bush work with him? Because he didn't, he didn't create the costumes for this, did he? <laughs> I, I've actually made some notes on this because I thought this would come up. Ah. Um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to tell you what I've been told and keep my opinion out of this. So my understanding is that um, Zaldi, who was um, asked to create the costumes for This Is It, mm -hmm. is a very close friend of Travis Payne. And who's that? He, uh, he's the choreographer for This Is It. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was backing dancer during... 90, I think he came in at 93 as a dancer. And then by history was um, dancing and choreographing this is it he was just choreographing and they let the younger dancers take over on on, on this is it and um kenny ortega and travis payne decided to bring this this new this new face to to kind of revamp mj's style mm. and he was the the way that it was described to me was that um bush and mj liked the costumes they thought they were very pretty to look at but from a performance standpoint, they were completely mm. impractical. So it's quite interesting that when you watch the, the This Is It special feature, Zaudi's showing off all these things that he's created. And in Bush's book, he made his own because MJ had said, 
you know. Oh, really? I'm away your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it um, was very elaborate. Yeah. Absolutely, like, really gorgeous. I'm sure Michael Jackson would be like, I love these. I'll wear them out. Not sure. I'm yeah, staying. he said they're great for a photo shoot. Right. They're just not great for touring. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't look like they would work on the stage. And I read Mike, Michael Bush's book, and he talked about how he had to like sew different panels of elastic into pants to make them movable for Michael and make the jackets long lasting. And I don't know that those were made with the same type of concepts. Not in at mind. all. They were. They were. They were. Honestly, they were. Frankly, they. They. I mean, I've seen them, like in front of me. They are stunning pieces mm. but they are not they're not for dancing mm. you know like the the, the jacket that's already made for um, black or white i think it weighed like eight pounds like oh wow it would have it would have been like having a child on your back and mj's 50 singing and dancing yeah. and in like he's not going to stand in a wind machine with a eight pound leather jacket because it's just going to be rigid you know like things just didn't go together it's, it's interesting because it's oh. almost like a separate skill that you need. You don't need to just be a great designer and come up with great concepts. It's like that performance element is a real crucial part of your creativity and how you get around those certain obstacles, particularly when you have such yeah. like an energetic and, you know, performer as Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bush Bush said, um, it's in his book as well, that he um, they would cut the kind of silk shirts for um, uh, black or white performances um, quite a few inches longer than a normal shirt because he was often running around and in the wind machine it looked really cool to have this shirt a little bit longer it almost had that kind of Batman's cape thing going on where it's mm. like really flowing in the in the breeze and so you don't get that with kind of off the rail clothing I remember the very first costume that I worked on was the uh, Dirty Diana music video costume and oh, wow. the um, the shirt is so light. It's called um, I think it's called China Silk. It's almost transparent, and literally, if you hold the collar and kind of flick the the shirt into the air, it literally flutters back down to its position. Wow. It's so wow. it's so it's like water the way that it moves, and um, mm. it's it has to. And that was the thing that you know things have to look good, they have to feel good, but it's also ultimately does it serve its purpose. And for Dota Diana, they actually had a, a leather jacket that um, MJ was supposed to wear in that music video. And they did some takes in it, to my knowledge, and he didn't like it. And Bush was wearing the white shirt that you see in the video. And they, they swapped. He does that a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. He just picks out... Because I've heard stories about with the Thriller album that he didn't like anything the stories, uh, the stylist had selected for him. And then he just went to the photographer like, what's that suit? Like... I like your suit, you know, and the guy's like, well, we're, you know, we look about the same size. Why don't we just swap out? Yeah, that's, so. that's completely true. And uh, it, it happened a lot. I mean, the during the Dangerous Tour, uh, um, at a certain point, the uh, MJ comes on wearing a jacket halfway through I'll Be There. It's like a patent leather jacket, black leather jacket. Mm. That was that was Bush's. And he said, you know, one evening, MJ's like, your jacket's winking at me, Bush. And uh, <laughs> Um, even in This Is It, um, the red lion shirt was actually belonged to Dennis Tompkins. And uh, oh, okay. they they then customised that for him to wear. And um, yeah, and, and you see him wearing some of the band's jackets as well during This Is It. If you, if you watch certain rehearsals, sometimes the band are wearing the jackets that MJ pops up in later on. 
Uh, so none. So none of the costumes from this is it were part of the exhibition, though. Um, other than the the red line shirt that we had from the rehearsals, no, um, because no, I don't believe any of the this is it costumes that um, Dennis and um, Bush worked on were ever completed. Um, uh, in in the the last uh, chapter of the book, it goes through um, some of the costumes, and uh, everything's kind of half finished is like half a thriller jacket on a mannequin the uh, the wannabe starting something jacket it's only half done it's got kind of sharpie marks from where they're still working on the patterns and the, the cloth mm. um so wait so was michael okay so like hypothetically was michael gonna get to the day after showtime and then be like actually i like michael bush and dennis Tompkins stuff instead sorry i don't need this stuff like is that <laughs> probably what would happen because that's what it I, sounds like i think i've kind of heard so many stories of, of of mj kind of having interactions with people that he's commissioned to do something and he would never say that he didn't like anything so like he'd have paintings made not like them and just pay the person and just kind of move on so mm. i think uh. i feel like maybe I think he would have mixed it up. I think he would have started off wearing some of Zaudi's stuff, um, seeing how he how he got on, um, and then you know, same same on the other tours. The costumes always progress slightly, and things change. And he would have mm. kind of mixed it up. I mean, Zaudi was creating like a head to toe outfit for every single song. I mean, was he going to go off stage for like six minutes between each song to change head to toe? I don't see that working. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you almost need something that he can just remove or quickly put on. Yeah. So the 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 stuff was stunning. It just didn't seem to be thought through from a production perspective. Oh. Was that something that was quite common in previous tours though that he would have very The only example that I can really pick out is in the Bad Tour. He had different colors for the shirt. Like obviously the most famous one is the silver one, but he had blue and red and I think he had black as well, which they decided wasn't going to work because he just kind of blended into the background. Yeah, I think he started out in either the black or the red um on the early leg of of the uh, the, the the Bad Tour. And um, mm. obviously black didn't work because he just sort of faded into the background and there was no kind of contrast there then they went to red um because the first leg the version of the spandex shirt that has the kind of um black stripe going diagonally across rather than the one that he wears later with the the leather going down the arms um those were um uh bill witten creations and then um uh Dennis and Bush recreated that. They also recreated um, the Working Day and Night um, One Piece costume. If you watch, oh, I love that costume. Yeah, yeah. if you watch the the um, the Yokohama concert, actually, um, the thing's falling apart on MJ during the song. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, the black one with the silver dots. It, it's yeah, it's actually it's like a really dark red. It's like a maroon color. Um, oh, okay. And it, it literally, we, I pulled this thing out of this box. It looked like a bear costume. It was disgusting. It felt horrible as well. It was it was heavy. Oh. It was it felt itchy. It must have been so hot because don't forget he was wearing the beat it costume under that as well. Oh, yes, God. yes. Um, the, well, he had the the beat it trousers and t shirt on, and then they'd rip that off and he'd throw the the jacket on and then come up on the cherry picker at the other end of the stage. Um, and during the Yokohama show, which is like the only kind of early bad tour concert that's in any watchable quality on YouTube and during working day and night you can see the thing breaking at the seams and during the song Emily just goes Bush and Bush comes on and tapes the, the thing up on stage 
and uh, yeah and by the end of the song like another side of it's falling apart like the thing was just awful <laughs> so they they replaced it the next year for the for the second leg of the tour with the the white um head to toe head to toe yeah one. you know what and i th- i guess that's kind of a theme with michael jackson because learning about the release of bad and stuff that was all so chaotic like i think they spent two years recording it they spent a whole load of money doing it michael jackson went away because it was meant to re- um the single for bad the video was uh, was um, filmed in November, and then uh, it was meant to be released in the February. But then it eventually got released in the August. And in February, he was doing the um, Smooth Criminal video. He spent two months doing that. Then everyone's panicking, like Michael, we have a concert tour like organized and booked in for the end of august like september in japan you have to have the album done you have to have the single out and we have to go on tour immediately so i felt like it's all like rushed to the end and then hearing about shows as well with the fact that like the set list for the set list for the early um, part of the bad tour is almost identical to the jackson's tour from couple of years previous like it's still got the jackson songs in the set oh really yes like yeah know, yeah um, they do they do lovely one and heartbreak hotel and yeah, all that uh, right i love it yeah <laughs> it, it, and it's, it's basically the same show it's just mj just re- replaced his brothers <laughs> replaced yeah with with uh with backyard dancers yeah but i i know it's interesting here about the costumes that they kind of didn't really have it worked out immediately that they kind of had to work it out as they go along i don't know whether that's kind of a case where like they just thought, look, we're going to Japan. At least we're not, you know, it's this big opening night at Madison Square Garden. We can work it out on the Asian tour and then we'll bring it and it will be all perfect for the American audience. I don't know if that's... Yeah, I, I, I think it's just one of those things. It, it's just a natural progression and, and you, you, you learn as you go along. Like Bush said, and again, this is a story in, in his book, he said that they were, um, um, during the bad tour, um, initially, they were listening back because MJ would have the um, the footage that went out on the screens either side of the stage. He'd have put onto VHS every night, which is what we got on the the Bad Twenty Five DVD. That is his personal copy. Oh wow! Um, and um, so he'd watch that back in the hotel every night, and they could hear like this kind of static sound during Billie Jean coming through the the mic, and they were like, "What the hell is that?" And it turned out that where the glove had been made double sided with the crystals. The crystals are like scratching against the mic, oh. and causing this like awful feedback. So that's why he ends up later in later tours wearing a single-sided one, so that there's cloth on the side that the mic is touching, so that you're oh, not getting that, that feedback. I never thought about that. Wow, that's cool. I've never heard that. Yeah. So it's just I think things are just it's just a constant evolution, and you know things are always breaking and. Um, like there's a, I forget which which night it was, but um, MJ cuts himself one night on a dangerous tour show. It is on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, Michael has to come they out. Then re- the, yeah, and they replaced the um, the silver metal um, band that he's wearing with plastic ones from there on, because he cut himself on the metal one. So I think every time something goes wrong, or or MJ just decides, you know, they would adapt as as they went along. I don't think there was any kind of grand plan. It was just things things happen so they they adapted it's interesting over like those tours you know the costumes kind of you know there was a general kind of theme you know you have the the beat it outfit you have the billy jean outfit they didn't change too much it's weird thinking about you know when you're uh, an artist these days and you have a new tour you would have a whole different look and 
different outfits that you wore than you did previously, how they can do, I, I guess, it's, I guess maybe they don't form as, as vigorously think, or there isn't as much. Um, I think MJ knew that his fans wanted basically to see him recreate the videos on stage. Mm. And that's what he wanted to do yeah. as well. And, um, you know, in, in This Is It, when Michael Bearden's screwing around with the chord progression on the way he make me feel, MJ, like, they're saying, do you like this? Do you like this? And MJ, just, he literally says point blank, I want it to sound the way that I wrote it, like it is on the record. Mm. What you're hearing on the record is what I want the fans to hear because that's what they're paying to hear. Well, and I think you that's know. interesting because particularly as musicians get, well, as they progress longer, they like reinvent their old hits. I mean, we've spoken about it before, but you know, Madonna notoriously always does that where, you know, she'll make an up, up tempo track, but you know, a ballad and, you know, they can yeah. they kind of reinvent them that for themselves to just keep them interesting. But yeah, he but, never I mean, really after, did that. After like 10, 12 years away from touring, would you honestly have felt happy after paying like 75 to 100 pounds for MJ to have popped up out of the stage and sing Thriller as a ballad sitting on a piano? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're a prick. You know, like, I think, I think people, people pay to see something live in the same way. People don't really, generally speaking, don't like to hear too much new content at, at, at a tour. So you'll go and see an artist promoting their latest album the majority of the set list is going to be old stuff because people love it they want to hear the classic stuff and it shows in the this is it set list as well i think the only two kind of samples that you hear from invincible which was his most recent album at that time he sings a minute section of um, speechless and then there's that section of um, threatened after thriller which i remember watching in the cinema and like, i was so excited when that bass line kicks in i yeah. remember standing up in the cinema just being like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i'm curious did you have during your time working on the exhibition did you have any interactions with the jackson family at all uh not directly with the the jackson family um i won't say too much but somebody was bidding in the auction Ah, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just always so curious how invested they are or how active they are in like the preservation of Michael's legacy. I, I mean, I believe that they are, but I believe it's very behind the scenes. Yeah. So that's why I, was I, I know that um, there were a few pieces in the exhibition. Um, a, a certain group of fans were very upset at the fact that Bush was selling this stuff. And um, to a degree, I can understand why. But from somebody that was kind of in that circle at that time, and having had those conversations about museums saying no and you know the estate has a lot of stuff anyway and um, the compromise that everybody settled on was that we ended up giving about four or five of the most iconic pieces we gave to the estate and didn't sell them ah. so going going back to the costumes i was just i've heard this rumor that um Michael Bush would actually make the costumes smaller towards the end of the concert because Michael Jackson yeah. would have like sweated off Swe so Sweated much. off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would actually be yeah. a smaller size by the end of it. Yeah, so the uh, the waistline would would be um, tighter on on kind of um, two thirds of the way through the show. He would change into something a bit tighter. I mean, even with any with, with any clothing, if you wash a pair of jeans. The first time when you put them back on again they feel tighter and they get looser throughout the day as you wear them so i think mm. with that and the fact that mj was just like his feet basically didn't touch the ground for two hours he would lose 
enough water that you would want to change into something more form-fitting and he also the costumes tended to get lighter throughout the show so like on dangerous he starts out in like um really heavy wool jackets and leather stuff and by the end of the mm. show he's in the white silk jacket uh, white silk shirt sorry mm. um so you know the he was exhausted by by the kind of later point of the show especially i think his exhaustion shows during the history tour mm. um so I wanted to ask you, to kind of like finish off this conversation, I want to ask, what's your best and what's your worst? I'm going to ask you, MJ Fangirl, as well. <laughs> what's your okay. best and worst uh, stage costumes for Michael Jackson? <laughs> I'm going to let MJ Fangirl go first, because I need to think. <laughs> okay. Um, I love all of the working day and night jumpsuits like i just yeah. love them because i think that they're just so fun and it's cool to see michael jackson like performing in like this huge like balloon-esque <laughs> costume um i love the one especially on um the bad tour like there's like a white a white one mm. um with lots of buckles and hmm Oh, and I also love the tarp. Sorry, I'm, I'm giving you more than one. But I also love the tarp blue pants um, that he used on Working Day and Night in the Dangerous Tour. Oh, okay. You know, they're like the huge blue ones. Oh, was it was, actually... was it like a gold jacket? Yeah. yeah. Yes. The, um, that's actually a one piece again. That's, that's all one costume. <gasps> really? Yeah, it's always a jumpsuit. It's, it's a quick release thing. So again, because of the way that the set list would run, that's... Um, because uh, I, I actually watched one of your videos because I, I thought you'd ask me about those trousers and I looked in to find out what they were made from. And oh. um, the, um, yeah, it's it's still all one piece. So the thing would literally like be Velcro. So it's exactly the same pattern cut as um, what's on the bad tour. So the thing just rips off in one so that he can run under the stage oh. and start beat it with the same costume change. Um, and uh, I believe they're made the trousers well the, the bottom half of that that jumpsuit is made from like a, a blue nylon parachute kind of material oh. oh my gosh that's so cool i never knew and i love this <laughs> and the, thank the, you the, the, you made my day. and the estate the estate do have that that is that's ah! oh my gosh i can see it again <laughs> someday <laughs> and your worst um Oh, my worst? I don't know if I really have, like, a worst. Like, I'm trying to think. Mm. Um, I... You know what? Okay, I'll say this. I don't really like the history tour, the You Are Not Alone, that that silk, that see-through shirt that he wears. Which is that? I can't remember now. It's kind of like, the same as the music think? video. It's slightly different, but it's kind of like a, a mesh. It's like a transparent oh, okay. kind of... What uh, color is that? Yeah. Black. Black. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. Is he wearing silver trousers? No. That might Go, be something he, he wears it with He wears it with the gold the gold bottom half of the history. Oh, yeah, costume. yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that. And he also wears it. He wears it. He's like shirtless under it in the music video. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. My least favorite is definitely that. Because I didn't, I didn't like, I mean, if it was like with black trousers, maybe I would have liked mm. it more. Yeah. I, I feel like the history yeah. tour costume it, it only works when it's in its complete form with the armor I think once you strip it back it, it, it looks a bit odd like he wears it the jacket open when he does um, Stranger in Moscow mm. and you can see like the velcro and stuff you kind of think this is not yeah. I don't know <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, do you want to go or do you want me to go, Shane? Um, I th- I'm going to say my favourite thing just because of my kind of interaction and the fact that I got to see it up close and not many people did is the smooth criminal outfit from the video. Oh, wow. Um, and that ended up, to my knowledge, we ended up sending that to the estate. And um, the story with, with that is... Um, MJ paid for every single dancer in that video to be wearing authentic vintage clothing of the period and then his suit was tailored for him so uh, it's like a really nice suit it's gone slightly yellow since it was filmed but it's it's still in very good condition and I remember seeing it up close and for me like Smooth Criminal was like the music video when I was 8 that was got me into MJ as a fan mm. Wow. Was that by Michael Bush as well? Do you know what? I don't know if that was made because they made a lot of a lot of um of kind of military style jackets. I never saw the labels and never got to ask. For some reason, I feel like maybe they didn't. Mm. But I know that they did make a replica of it for the MJ exhibition that the estate did in two thousand and nine to show the lean. Yeah. Yes, they have that now in Las Vegas, I wanted to say, at MJ1, once you're in the theater. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same one you're talking about or the replica, but it's leaning. I, I, I would almost, I would probably bet that it's the replica that they made. Okay. Um, but I don't know for sure. Um, as for worst costume, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um... Give us your... Give us your uh, favorite and least favorite and i'm going to come back to least favorite okay have a, have a major I, think before i, was, I commit myself <laughs> i think my favorite probably is probably the bad um the leotard but not the silver one the black one i know like on stage it doesn't work as well but when i see images of that i just think he looks so cool in it i think it's like a really cool look and there's one where he's like crouching down and it's just like metals and buckles everywhere i just think it looks really cool um you know to not be obvious you know and just say like because obviously i like the the bad with the uh police badges on it and stuff that's really cool jacket as well um but I would say my least is actually the one you were speaking about, the the wide leg blue trousers and the gold jacket. Like, I Aww. remember seeing that fairly recently <laughs> and I was just like, what is that? Why is he wearing that? That looks really weird. That's a really bad outfit. Take it off. <laughs> so, so yeah. My poor jumpsuit. I know, yeah. But um, yeah, but maybe I just like the more form-fitting stuff, I don't know. Yeah, I think my least favourite, and this is not going to be a popular opinion, but I don't think it looks great when worn with other pieces like it was, the um, Dangerous Tour leotard. Oh, okay. Um, oh. Because yeah. it kind of looks like a thong at the back, <laughs> and it doesn't go well with like when the smooth criminal jacket's over the top of it. Mm. And True. I just think... Well, I was thinking that when you were saying um, about Zaldi creating whole new outfits, it's like... In the Dangerous Tour, Michael just put a hat on and a jacket, and now he's a smooth criminal. Like, he wouldn't change his whole put on a suit and yeah, tie and, and stuff. And they committed him to having to wear the whole suit because, obviously, for This Is It, they reshot the, the video where he's in the head to toe suit uh, so that he dives through that window. Yes. So, 
because of having that pre-shot, he would have had to have worn that for the transition to have worked from the video sequence to him arriving on stage, because otherwise it just wouldn't have worked. Mm. So he would have had to have worn the suit, the tie, the shirt, the hat, the, the shoes, everything would have had to change. Actually, um, apparently the producers on This Is It wanted uh, MJ to wear magnetic shoes to do the lean this time around. Oh, and oh. and I, I remember Bush said that somebody ended up doing it. I don't know if it was him and Dennis, but somebody ended up creating these shoes and they did work with the magnets. He said the, the only problem was that they you were so heavy, MJ couldn't couldn't walk they were that heavy if he had worn them yeah because the magnet would need to be so strong and i remember bush saying to me that the magnets were probably so strong that mj would have probably been like infertile after wearing them as well <laughs> like, yeah that, I've, that I've, changed something that it's not broken you know the, the clips worked the, the the stunt worked yeah it why didn't need to why be change? rethought yeah so yeah i don't know why stop trying to be too that. clever you know yeah we had the um the prototype of the board that they made for MJ to practice the, the lean on mm. with the two little clips on it and they've written on it, it says MJ you must lean this way pointing with arrows pointing so that he didn't lean the wrong way and he'd go face first into the ground <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for that uh, thanks for being a guest that was really insightful definitely learned a lot I'm sure you have as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge and experiences with us. You're welcome. So we have something to bring up because uh, our last episode, we actually did our Desert Island quickfire round and we included a song that we were later um, reminded of is not actually Michael Jackson. Yes. Uh, a couple of people picked up on it. So we were picking between uh, Breaking News and uh, Tabloid Junkie. And obviously with the whole court case that has gone on about, okay, that posthumous uh, single, uh, that that's not actually Michael Jackson's voice and that that's actually a fraud. Yes, like I think <laughs> during the discussion in the last episode, like I kind of alluded to it sounding off, but I definitely should have mentioned clearly that it is not Michael Jackson. It's been uncovered. It's been um, pretty much admitted to, I believe, right? Yeah, you know, I just find the whole thing so odd. Like, obviously, there's so much, like, content, not content, but, you know, there's so many recordings that Michael Jackson did, and there's so much they could have picked out of right. to actually, I mean, I don't know whether it was a song that he recorded, but the recording wasn't good enough or... I don't know, it's, it's, yeah. and to think that you could get away from it, because even when I first heard it, I was like, that doesn't sound like it. Right, and that was what I was talking about, like, a lot of people, if, in case you guys don't know, when Breaking News came out, it was a big thing on MichaelJackson.com, you could go on and stream it live, like, when it premiered, and a lot of us... Which you actually did so, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, which I did, and a lot of fans were listening and, like, felt kind of that it was off, and some of the ad-libs and stuff are Michael Jackson in the background. Like the oh. hoo and the hee hee and all that are taken from yeah. previous recordings, which is, which is, you know, I don't mind that. But the fact of the matter is, is the main singer on the track is not him. And um, we definitely don't want to mislead anyone to thinking that it was because it's already been released. And we just want to be transparent in case there's someone new to the fandom. You know, this might be like the first MJ podcast you've listened to or the first few yeah. weeks of your fandom. So, um, 
there's definitely information though online lots of fan organizations have covered it and um, I think they do a great a better job probably than us like trying to explain the um, the intricacies of it but yeah yeah because I remember a lot of the tracks on that were like we've mentioned this before but like just so overly produced so i think even with that song i was like well i guess i mean i guess it's michael jackson it doesn't really sound like him maybe his voice changed throughout the years or right. maybe they've just added too much over it because maybe it wasn't a great recording or they just wanted to update it i don't know yeah i i you know i still wish that we kind of knew why um it's a hard situation because i think um, the fan community, a lot of the organizations and things are not, you know, we don't have that direct line of communication with the estate about that particular subject. Um, mm. I wish, yeah, I wish we knew why. And I guess it's, it's, um, it's something that the Jackson family as well, like protested and they tried to bring to light, but I don't recall ever having, like, I have a lot of Michael Jackson friends that are fan friends that have been fans for years and they actually didn't even know so yeah well i think you know part of the reason why they release those types of albums is it's kind of like the reason why mariah carey might do a new album it's not because she thinks she's going to sell like millions of records and that she's going i mean she might but <laughs> it's even if she doesn't <laughs> it just means that her back catalog is is going to be more in the realm of people's consciousness that she's got a new album out she's got a new single people are talking about her they're going oh yeah right. i remember i love that song by mariah carey or oh my god you know that that album was my favorite album and then they do that and then maybe they'll you know want to see him in concert or whatever so i think that's kind of the same with michael jackson that if he's just in the realm of you know there's new products out and then people are talking about him then his music's being played then they're going to go see the shows they're going to you know buy into him more and and build that so that's i see that as more being the purpose of it rather than like great music <laughs> Right, right. No, I totally, I totally get that. So, yeah, I, hopefully that clears that up for anyone that was wondering or that didn't know. Mm. Cool. Right. <laughs> so next up is our Desert Island Disc Quickfire Round. Um, so we're actually in the semi semi-finals now. So... Yes. It's going to get difficult. And we're going to have different answers because obviously in the first round we picked different songs. So I've got yours. I don't and know. I, I have yours here. Okay, brilliant. So I'm gonna do first one for you is uh, "Shake Your Body Down to the Ground" or "Liberian Girl." Oh, I am gonna have to say "Shake Your Body Down to the Ground." Yeah. So "Shake Your Body Down to the Ground" or "Walk Right Now." Oh, mine's "Walk Right Now." Okay. Yeah, definitely. Right, next one for you is another part of me and say, say, say. Okay, this was a hard one, but just for like nostalgia purposes, I'm gonna have to go with say, say, say. I just love it. Yeah. Reminds me of childhood for some reason. Like, m not the song, but my own childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? What? Did, would your parents play it or anything? No, like, I just remember that I would go to my grandparents' house on the weekends and we would just, like, watch whatever networks, cable. Sometimes we'd watch, like, the Cartoon Network, but other times we'd watch VH1. And they mm. had those long marathons of, like, 80s videos or Michael Jackson all oh, day really? or all weekend long. 
And yeah. they would always play Say Say Say, and I just loved it because to me it was like a rare treat because I mm. never grew up really listening to it. Um, I, I discovered it later, a little later on, like when I was 10 or 12. It wasn't like one of those beginner Michael tracks. Yes, yeah, so a same for you, another part of me, or Say Say Say? Uh, you know what? I don't really love any of these. Okay. I'm gonna say another part of me. Let's change it up. Quite like it. Okay. I like the video. I like it too. I mean, it's the best footage we have of Michael Jackson on the bad tour, so. It's so clear. We need yeah. everything like that. Yeah, it's incredible. Right, next for you is Can You Feel It and A Place With No Name. Oh, I'm gonna go with Can You Feel It? Cause I just, I just love it. And I always think of the video and just, it's such an iconic song. Um, so for you, we have either Just Good Friends or Beat It. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, Just Good Friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping that one going. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, for you, it is um, 2300 Jackson Street or PYT. Oh. I know this is difficult for you. This is hard. Okay, so both of these songs have a special place in my heart, but I'm going to have to go with 2300 Jackson Street because, you know, if I was on a desert island, I would need something to mellow me out something that I could chill to, and I feel like 2300 Jackson Street is that song. Oh wow, you, you really think about the scenario now. Yes, yes, <laughs> I had to bring it back, it's a semi-finals, you know? Yeah. You're like, there's no PYTs here, I'm gonna, you know, yeah. reminisce about 2300 Jackson Street, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Um, okay, so for you, the next round is Rock With You or PYT? Oh, Rock With You. Okay. I love that song. I can't believe you didn't pick that. Maybe you just love 2300 Jackson Street. I much. do. Now I'm thinking back and I'm like, why did I pick that? But again, I need a chill song, so. <laughs> right, next for you is Leave Me Alone or I Want to Be Starting Something. So I want to be starting something. I'm going to have to go with... Mm, want to be starting something. Because I need that type of energy. Mm. Um, how about you? You have the same songs, Leave Me Alone or Wanna Be Starting Something. Uh, yeah, I, I like these songs similarly. I'm trying to play them in my mind, like which one. Uh, probably... I'm gonna say Leave Me Alone, because I have some really good memories of that. And it's not that, like, exciting. I just remember I listened to it loads when I was, um... I was painting fences in my garden oh, one wow. summer when I was like 14. Okay. <laughs> so at least I have a memory with it. But yeah, I used to love it then. Nice. Right, next for you is Remember the Time or Heartbreak Hotel? Um, I am going to have to go with Remember the Time. So you have We've Had Enough or never can say goodbye. 
Um, I'm going to say we've had enough. Great choice. Love that song. Needs a video. <laughs> it does. Needs to be like released properly. <laughs> right, next one for you is Stranger in Moscow. Or Moscow, as I said in my video. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and if anyone's seen my video where I say Stranger, Stranger in Moscow, it's because I thought that's how Americans pounce it. But how, how do Americans... They say like Moscow? We say like Moscow. Yeah, I would say Moscow. Oh. So I, and I thought in the video Michael Jackson was saying Moscow. So <laughs> that's why I said that. And I, I couldn't be bothered with all the comments like, what's Moscow or what's Moscow? Aww, so. Everybody knew what you meant. Come on. Come on, oh, MJ see. fam. <laughs> um, so Stranger in Moscow or Childhood? Oh, I'm going to go with Stranger in Moscow. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. So we have Why You Want to Trip on Me or Heal the World. Oh, Why You Want to Trip on Me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Love that. I was just talking to someone about like how like relevant that song is just always. It's it's really um it's really great lyrically yeah Eight. oh next one is <laughs> so i was counting all of them uh next one is billy jean or show me show you the way to go Ooh, i have to choose billy jean because i need like the most iconic michael jackson song ever on my playlist yeah <laughs> um the same ones for you actually Billie Jean or Show You The Way To Go? That's difficult because I really love Show You The Way To Go and I don't listen to Billie Jean that much but I'm probably gonna have to say Billie Jean because it's so like unique. Yeah, I totally As a track. For sure. Yeah. It's weird like you think Michael Jackson would have done like a Billie Jean type song in the next you know because he would always have like kind of set list so it's like right we need one which is kind of like a rock crossover song and then also we need to do something that's a bit of a you know social um what do you call those songs like heal the world and man in the mirror oh. like social justice type yeah like um like an anthem yeah um yeah like it's not like coming to mind like a world anthem. Yes. Um, you think there would have been kind of, and then we have to do, I guess he does always, has always these songs which are about like women who are like taking advantage of him or he feels vulnerable towards them. It's maybe like, maybe like Dangerous is kind of like a Billie Jean, like revamped. Definitely. I think so too. Yeah. Or blood on the dance floor. Yes, know. you know what? I never realized that, but there is that theme throughout all the albums. What of women taking advantage of him? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Besides yeah, off the it's... wall. Well, yeah, because I was actually just gonna say, like, on off the wall, he doesn't really have that theme going on. It's quite like light and. Yes, the most light-hearted, I think, Michael Jackson album. Okay, so next up we have Cry or The Way You Make Me Feel. Um, I would have said, 
I don't know. Oh, that's see, this is when it gets difficult because I love Cry. I think that's such a great song. I do love the way you make me feel. I think I'm probably, hmm. If it's a desert island disc and I'm thinking I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Cry. Okay. I just really love that song. Yeah, I think I've listened, you know, I, I've listened to The Way You Make Me Feel enough. I think I can kind of be content that <laughs> that, that I, I've heard enough of that song. Right. You want something kind of new, kind of fresh. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like a new love. I, I love that song recently. So, um, okay. So we have two more to do. So next one is going to be Cry. Or in the closet? For me, it's going to be in the closet. Oh, really? Yeah, I just love it because I feel like it's so... Uh, it's very, like, layered and complicated in terms of sound. And I feel like in the closet is one of those songs when I listen to in my headphones, I always hear something new every time. It's There's a mm. lot of elements to it, so... Yeah. It's the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. I feel like it can be remixed really well. Like, I yeah, there's so many different elements that you could draw out of it that it would actually it completely evolve it and change it into something completely yeah. different. Yes, your last one is Blood on the Dance Floor or She Drives Me Wild. Uh, She Drives Me Wild. Okay. I mean, with all those Teddy Riley... But I, I, I did use a version. It was like an instrumental of... Um, I think actually I've used it in this podcast as part of the intro. Um, the beat from that is from um, Bl Blood on the Dance Floor. Okay. And I haven't really ever properly listened to the song that much, but I actually have been enjoying it a lot more. Yeah. It's a really good one. Yeah. It's a good, like... If you don't want to pick, like, a most obvious beat of Michael Jackson, it's a good one to pick. But still, obviously, like, feels like his... It's, you know, familiar, but not too, like... You pick Billie Jean, you know? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And last one for you is Blood on the Dance Floor and She Drives Me Wild. Oh, cool. We picked the same ones there. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to kind of copy you again. I'm going to go also with She Drives Me Wild here. Brilliant. Well, that's it, I think, from us today. We're not doing a quick fire round. Um, sorry, we're not doing questions on this episode just because I had quite a long interview. But if anyone has any questions, please make sure to send them over so that we can answer them next time. Yes. Uh, but that's it from me. Um, we'll hopefully see you next time. See you next time, guys. <laughs>